I think belief like that comes from preparation and knowing that knowing that you've put in the work and you've, you've done what you feel is necessary to enter that moment. Welcome to How Do You Feel, a podcast with info and inspo to help you tune in to your fitness, nutrition, and mindset. I'm your host, Casey Zavaleta, and together we'll explore how we can optimize our physical and mental health so that we radiate positivity and happiness from the inside out. If you think about it, we use milk or milk substitutes all the time. They're the basis for our smoothies. We put them in our coffee in the morning. We use them in our breakfast and in tons of other recipes. If we're gonna use something that often, I think it is so important that we have the right product. Oat Canada is my go-to option for a dairy-free beverage. It tastes great, it's unbelievably creamy, and it boasts zero grams of sugar. It's non-GMO, vegan, glyphosate-free, and keto-friendly. I am a huge supporter of this company, of the people behind the company, and of their mission. So if you are looking for a dairy-free beverage to be your new go-to, I highly recommend you look for Oak Canada. Oak Canada is available at Costco, and you can check oakcanada.com for the latest updates on availability. Hello, everyone. Welcome to How Do You Feel? I am stoked to share this episode of the podcast with you guys. I got the chance to talk to Josh Williams, who plays for Columbus Crew SC as a center back. Josh has been a pro for 11 seasons. He was born in Akron and interestingly was recruited by Kentucky and West Virginia to play baseball. But instead of pursuing that route, Josh decided to walk on to the soccer team at Cleveland State. After his stint at Cleveland State, he went undrafted in the 2010 MLS draft, but later that year was signed on by the Columbus crew. He has a really cool story, which he tells in this episode about belief and persistence. He went from not being recruited by any schools to play soccer and not being drafted to having an extremely successful professional career for the last 11 years. And it's pretty awesome to hear about his journey to get where he is today. Josh played for Toronto FC for a year and a half, and while he was here in Toronto, he and Eric became really good friends, and both Eric and I are still very proud to call Josh a close friend. I don't want to give too much away, but I love hearing from Josh about the level of mental preparation and care that he puts into every single game. He's a big fan of meditation, and he tells us all about why in this episode as well. So without further ado, I hope you guys enjoy this conversation with Josh Williams. Hi, Josh. Welcome to the How Do You Feel podcast. I am really looking forward to this conversation today. Yeah, thanks for having me. Anytime I could talk to friends I haven't seen in a while and also talk about important issues uh, to me, and I love the opportunities like that. So uh, again, thanks for having me. I'm excited. 
Yeah, of course. It's like a great little excuse for me to get to chat with you for an hour when I haven't seen you in a long time. So I love it. It's like a win-win for everyone, right? 2020 has been crazy. And that has meant that your season has been crazy. So how do you feel about the way that the 2020 season is panning out and will continue to pan out? What are your thoughts? Yeah, this is going to be one year that I can look back in 20 years. And this year will definitely stand out for numerous reasons. But starting with the bubble, the coronavirus is hitting you know, the world and then having to enter the bubble. Actually, before that, uh, not even knowing if we we're going to have a season. And a lot of us thinking that we actually wouldn't have a season. So, um, you know, to kind of go through all of that and then the bubble hits and that's a whole different experience that we've never, you know, had before. And then to come back here and then things kind of get back to normal, but then to not have fans in the stadiums, it, it's just been a, a whirlwind. And, and, you know, we met with the team the other day and, and now we have 10 games left and it seems like the craziness is, is almost over now. And it's just kind of in the blink of an eye, all of a sudden now we're 10 games left and, and we're getting down to you know, almost playoff time. So, so far the season has just been a whirlwind and it's one in which I'm proud of not only myself, but also our team in general, just for the ability to go into the bubble and maintain focus and have focus and have success knowing that it wasn't ideal, knowing that everyone was going to be having their own individual struggles, um, but being able to pull together and have success down there and then come out of there and, you know, just continue that and to maintain safety. That could have been an issue which shut down our season as well, you know, and I think all teams should be proud of that, but to have everyone kind of come together and maintain, you know, all the safety regards and, and stay out of the public and offer as much as possible, be wearing masks, taking all the safety protocols seriously and um, somehow maintaining focus through all of this and being able to go out there and perform at a high level. I think I'm most proud of that for myself and for you know everyone as a collective. Yeah, for sure. It's been such an emotional roller coaster. You're right, there, was, there were moments when no one knew if any seasons would go on. And then to fast forward to the bubble and you guys somehow amidst all of this, have been having an awesome season. You're top of the Eastern Conference right now. How was the bubble experience for you? Like what stands out when you look back as some of the biggest challenges or some of the biggest things from that experience that were so different? Looking back on it, it, was, it, it all seems very petty now, but when you're living it, you know, having just stuff at the top of my head, not even that, that serious, I, I, I could dive deeper, but eating in the same room with artificial kind of walls that are just up there and they're brown. You have little tiny plastic forks and you're eating out of styrofoam. <laughs> and, and kind of, you know, you're seeing the same people every day. Those are the little things that, that wear on you. Um, obviously there was bigger things, you know, I would have loved to, as, as everyone I'm sure was feeling the same. You miss family. You know, I miss my girlfriend being able to go outside when I wanted, being able to go places, you know, when I wanted, Little stuff like that, you know, having the, the nose swabs on uh, on a daily basis, pretty much. Um, <laughs> yeah. Work out, you know, there's a lot of times where we would have to, you know, be confined to our rooms. But I think in all, I would, I would always kind of be humbled by, you know, I could always go into my group chat with, with my best friends and a lot of them served in the military. And, you know, they'd always kind of humble me and just say, look, 
you know, it sounds like every day in Afghanistan, only over there is 110 degrees and you know, your life is truly in danger. So, yeah. you know, to me, as much as those little petty things kind of get to you, it was always good to have that humbling experience. And you know, most of the time they were kind of making fun of me, but then also I would kind of, I needed that, you know, you need to kind of realize that it's not ideal, but you still get to go out and train and play a sport that you love every day. You, you know, we were still getting paid for it. And you know, at the end of the day, it was just kind of like a, a, a summer camp. You know, you're still around guys, your teammates, you laugh, you, you know, you could still do that on a daily basis. So to me, it, it, it was tough, but after a week, I was, I was pretty locked in and, and it always helps to, you know, have success. In those. If we were losing, it might've yeah. been a different experience, but to be winning and to have guys in good moods and that, that changed everything, I think for us. Yeah, that makes total sense. Yeah, to have some success. It's good though, like there's your perspective check, right? Of Yeah, of course, like you say those things are petty of eating with a plastic fork and like being inside all the time and losing a lot of elements of your freedom, which yeah, okay, petty. Also things that we're used to on a daily basis, so challenging to be imposed on you. But it's all about perspective, right? It's all about your mindset in something. Um, and it sounds like you guys were helped with success to have a positive mindset. But when you look at it as I still get to play soccer, like I love how you're saying that I still get to do this and I still get to be paid for it. You kind of like get through it a little bit easier, right? Right. Exactly. Yeah. Okay. Let's talk about your path to becoming a professional soccer player. When I think back on Eric's path, it was kind of like in the cards for him to become a pro. His dad was a professional soccer player. His uncle is currently his coach. This was kind of written in the stars for him. Right. Do you feel like your path was similar? No, not at all. Yeah, my path was, I went all over the place. I explored, <laughs> I explored different paths, and, um, but somehow it aligned. I, I always grew up, and I think Eric might have been a little similar to this in moments as a kid. When I got together with kids, with my best friends, we never played soccer. We played basketball, baseball, football. So to me, those were the sports that I feel like I got the most practice. I joined my club team internationals when I was nine, nine or 10. And then I would train two to three times a week and have games or tournaments on the weekends. But then all the other days I was playing different sports, not soccer. So to me, but by the time I was 17, 18, I feel like I was better skilled at basketball and baseball because I just spent so much time playing those sports. Um, and I didn't really take soccer as serious hmm. because to me, I just, I enjoyed playing all the sports. I, I have a, such a passion for all of those sports and American football. So out of, out of high school, I was going to play baseball. I was going to go to West Virginia or Kentucky. I was thinking about that seriously as a, as a junior in high school. And then my senior year, it kind of shifted. And I realized I don't have the same type of passion for baseball. And I didn't see a, a path in basketball because I'm, I'm 6'1", you know, I'm, so I didn't see that path. So it was baseball or soccer. And I, I liked the little things. I appreciated the little nuances of soccer and, and the subtleties in the game on a different, deeper level than I did in baseball. And I knew that that was something that intrigued me so much more than, than baseball. I always had an appreciation for it, but I just I felt it was a little boring. In soccer, you're just you're running constantly, you're constantly thinking. In baseball, there's a lot of downtime. So soccer was yeah. kind of an easy choice my senior year. And I ended up going to Cleveland State. I walked on there. Thankfully, I had they had a new coach in who I had played against when I was younger. 
and he, you know, he gave me a chance. He said, walk on. So I, I did and had some success in college and then didn't get drafted, but knew I wanted to play. And my dad, we drove around the country for a while, going to different tryouts and stuff like that. And, um, none of them really worked out. My dad made a, a highlight tape of me and we'd send it to all every MLS team. And we sent an email, you know, telling the crew, if you ever need extra guys, you know, I mean, I'm just up in Cleveland. I'd be happy to drive down and they needed an extra guy. So I came, I drove down with my dad. Um, we were playing Marshall University and the assistant coach, I remember him telling me, you're probably not going to play, but if anybody gets injured, you know, just be ready. So, okay. So 10 minutes into the game, two people bang heads in my position. <laughs> they look at me, they say, do you play left back? And I'd never played that position in my life. I said, yeah, sure. I play left back. <laughs> of course right, you do. So, <laughs> oh my God. So, so yeah, I went in and had had some success. I actually had an assist and, and just kind of gelled with the team. It was kind of a weird moment for me. I just felt like I knew everybody. I was just, I was kind of in, in a zone. You could kind of say, you know, I don't know. Looking back, it was a surreal moment. It was mm -hmm. a surreal moment for me and how everything kind of fell into place. And I talked to the coach a little bit after that game and he said, you know, he asked me questions. Where do I live? All of that. What am I doing? He said, all right, just stay in shape. So I did. And then they called me back again and we played Ohio state in a similar type of scrimmage. And um, I performed well again. And I think it was a week, two weeks after that, they called me. I was in class. I just happened to be, <laughs> I happened to see the call. I stepped out and it was their general manager of the Columbus's Bruce general manager at the time. And, you know, he said, they're going to look to sign me and I needed, it was the last day and I needed to have this faxed over within the next hour, I think. So I'm rushing around calling my dad. Ditching class, obviously. Ditching class. <laughs> Screw yeah, the class. I think I left my book <laughs> on the desk. Like, yeah, I don't need this. Um, so we eventually got the fax sent over in time. And um, I remember signing the contract. My hand was shaking. I couldn't even, I couldn't believe it. And just a day I'll never forget. So that was the path to get here. When I listen to that, there is just something about the timing, the way it happened. There was something that was meant to be. There had to have been. That's really cool. That's a really cool story. A couple of things. First of all, I think there's a book that you would enjoy. It's called Range. Have you ever heard of it? I've actually read it. Oh, you have? Okay. In that book, it talks so much about how we think that you need to specialize so early to become elite at something and to be good at something. But I would be willing to bet that the fact that you didn't specialize in one sport throughout your high school career, I would be willing to bet that there's something about the way that you approach things mentally, like approach athleticism mentally, or like some, something that you learned in all of those sports that you're now integrating that has allowed you to be at the level that you are. And in that book, the author talks obviously a lot about that concept. Right. When I hear about you and your dad driving to tryouts and making this tape, you believed in yourself. To do that, there is something deep down where you were like, I can do this and I can make this. Where do you think that came from? I think, I think belief like that comes from preparation and knowing that knowing that you've put in the work and you've, you've done what you feel is necessary to enter that moment, to be in that moment and be comfortable. And like I said, I, when they asked me if I played left back and my first answer was yes, it wasn't a scared yes. It was, yeah, I believe I can, you know, even though I've never played that yeah. position. <laughs> I just, and it wasn't a hesitation and it just, all of the work 
that I had done previous to that moment, I know that it kind of just led me to that answer. Like it almost spoke for me. Similar to studying for a test. You know when you're prepared for a test and you know when you're not. And you know that when the test comes, it's either an anxious feeling because you're not prepared or it's a, yeah, I'm, I'm prepared for this. I studied, I'm fine. Mm-hmm. And those are moments that as my career has progressed, the ability to prepare and how I prepare, there's always going to be an anxious butterfly nervous kind of feeling because you're going to be performing in front of thousands of people. And I think the minute you lose that is the minute that maybe you should think about something else. Mm -hmm. But the calmness that I have entering that arena mentally is strictly through preparation and knowing that I'm prepared for that moment, no matter what comes, whether you can control the factors, which I can control my mentality or there's factors that you can't control but I know that my experience at this point will allow me to sort those moments out. Mm -hmm. Mental preparation, I know, is something that is obviously very important to you. And we've talked in the past about how meditation is a part of that. When were you first introduced to meditation? Where did your interest in it come from? I was first introduced to it by my friend Ashley, and it was after a it was after a breakup. I remember that bad breakup. And she was like, ah, just kind of come try it out. Cause I'd been struggling with kind of dealing with that and also trying to play. And I couldn't separate the two at the time. I was, mm-hmm. I, I was in a bad place at the time. She introduced it to me and we ended up going to a group, a small group session who, who actually I still meet with from time to time. Obviously COVID has, has interrupted that, but um, I still keep in contact with them. And a lady, Tammy White, she kind of, took me through the the beginning stages of it and kind of introduced it to me and, and really did a great job of explaining what it was and how it could help. And first couple of sessions, I didn't do well. I didn't, I didn't <laughs> sitting there for 30 minutes seemed like eight hours. Right. So, um, and then probably my fifth or sixth time, I remember, actually I'll rewind, my second time there, I remember us sitting in silence and I remember a bird smashing into the window and I jumped. I thought I couldn't believe my heart was racing and I look and nobody else in the room even flinched. And so I remember thinking that was so weird, but I thought maybe I missed them. You know, maybe they reacted quicker than I did and they just shut their eyes. But after I remember asking, there's a guy, Rich, and I asked him, Rich, what'd you think of that bird? That was pretty loud. He looked at me dead serious. And he said, what bird? Wow. I just remember being rich. Come on, bird smashed into the window. It's it's laying right there, actually. <laughs> that one, and and he said he had no idea that a bird smashed into the window. And I asked him, "How is that possible?" And he said, "At that time, he was doing it for thirty years. He'd been meditating for thirty years." And he said, "It takes him thirty seconds to a minute to get into such a deep meditation to where only this bell or ding, you know, that that'll kind of get him out of it, and that kind of, you know, he knows that he can come out of it then, but." Mm. I thought that was fascinating. And I asked him what he feels during that time. And he said, it's just kind of an elevator effect. He feels it kind of coming on and then eventually just kind of, you know, reaches a point to where it's a point of nothingness pretty much. And my fifth or sixth time, I felt that moment, but I realized that I was getting to that moment. So I almost came out of it immediately and I couldn't get back into it. And then the next time I meditated with the group, I just made a point to just let it happen. Just be basically. And there was this 
transcending moment where I, it was just a bright blue moment, almost a hallucination type of thing. I just remember hearing that bell within, it seemed like 10 seconds. And I asked why she, you know, I woke up and I said, Tammy, why'd you ring it so quickly? She said, that was 30 minutes. That was a moment where I realized something was happening. Something was going on in which I couldn't explain. And I wanted to dive deeper. And those kind of hallucination moments are few and far between. But the benefits from every day, spending 15 to 30 minutes, the mental clarity I feel, the appreciation for things, the ability to keep my ego in check, the ability to let things just slide off of me. And and I'm still, it's not like I'm walking around and I'm just happy as can be and nothing bothers me. No, I still deal with a lot of issues, but to me, it's unbelievable the difference in when I can meditate and when I can get my 15, 20, 30 minutes in when I don't do that, mm-hmm. the days I feel like and how I feel and how I approach the day are just completely different. Wow, that's so powerful. And so cool that you can, that you notice the differences between when you're doing it and when you're not. Like that's very tangible evidence that what you're doing is working. When you're meditating, is your goal to drop into nothingness or is your goal to focus on something specific? Like you don't have a mantra or anything that that you're specifically focusing on, right? I do have a mantra and it kind of depends on the day whether I use that, that mantra that Tammy and that small group kind of introduced to me when I feel like I need that and I my mind's a little more scattered and I need a focal point that, that kind of centers me all the time that I can come back to I feel like I use that but my goal I try not to I try not to really set a goal because if I don't reach it then I, I don't want to feel like mm-hmm. I didn't I didn't accomplish what I, I wanted to so I kind of leave it open I know that if I if I dedicate 15 to 30 minutes a day to that then I know that I'm, for one, kind of appreciating myself. You know, I'm, I'm allowing myself to have that time with myself, if that makes sense. And for me, that's, that's kind of all that I want out of that moment. Just allow myself to have that time by myself. And then from then on, it kind of makes it easier to appreciate everything else after that. People, opportunities, every situations. And then I feel like that is kind of, my goal. Does that make sense? Yeah, 100%. 100%. If you say, I need to come out of this with this feeling or with this thought or having solved this problem or whatever, and then you don't accomplish that, that doesn't mean that that time was meaningless, right? right. And, and it's almost like if you had set that goal, then it could come off that way. That makes total sense. Yeah. And just, just having that time carved out for yourself, I think, you know, people do it in many different ways. But I think it is so key. Like if you're, if you're constantly giving of yourself and your time and your energy and your thoughts and your words and all this stuff, you're never recharging. Everyone needs to recharge. I don't care how social and extroverted you are, right? You got to recharge and like refill and recenter yourself. And so it sounds like that's kind of what you find in those moments, which I think, I think it's awesome. That's exactly right. Cool. Okay. What kind of mental prep do you do before a game? Meditation is part of it? Yeah, definitely. Definitely. Game days are different because I tried to do two different meditation sessions. Cool. So the the first one is just my normal everyday meditation session. I try to go 20 minutes. So 
before breakfast or immediately after breakfast, I try to do 20 minutes of meditation. And then I like to watch film. I like to definitely relax. I don't like a lot of mental stimulation and I just want to, if there's soccer on, I like to watch soccer, but just yeah. relax, read a book. You know, Don't bother you is what you're saying, right? <laughs> exactly right. Yeah. Um, my diet is very important on game day. And then what do you eat on game day? Do you mind me on asking? On game days, I normally like to have a lot of fruit, eggs, proteins, salad on both meals. And then I don't really have a specific diet, just as long as I kind of check those boxes off, then um, mm-hmm. I feel good. But mm-hmm. I don't like to overeat. I'd rather be more of an empty stomach than having to feel heavy and try to go out there. So interesting. Um, cool. And then after that, probably in hour before I have to leave. Um, I like to get another 20 minute session in where I just like to go over my role for the team, for myself, you know, and, and truly dive into what, what is expected of me? How can I help the team? I picture myself in games in which I've had a lot of success and try to think of where I was most effective in that. What was I doing for others around me? What was I doing for myself? What was my thought process? And then I have my own kind of idea of who I am as a player and what I can contribute to the team. And I try to go there and picture myself in that role. And um, it's been working. So <laughs> yeah, just, <laughs> to me, I don't, I don't want to change it. So yeah. um, that's not so much of a meditation. That's more visualization. Like visualization. Yeah. Yeah, anything, yeah, yeah, yeah. But. It's mindfulness still. It's thinking with an intention. What are some of the themes that come up when you do visualize those games where you've had the most success? Like, is there some kind of internal feeling? Is there some kind of like orientation that you have? What are the commonalities there? I can picture myself because I know I talk a lot on the field. So I picture myself being very vocal, just being a good leader, being positive. I don't want to be the guy that's, that when things are going bad, harping on bad things. I want to be the guy that's next play, next play. What are we doing? Constantly trying to organize, put out fires, you know, put out little fires when I see them. So I picture it as a, as a more of a leader, you know, that's who I want to be on the field. That's the best role in my position. Um, And especially because I've, uh, it's my 11th year. So I've had a lot of experiences and I want to try to use that to help others pretty. And, and by doing this visualization, I feel like this is actually a great question. I like thinking about this. I feel like by doing that visualization, it allows me to be confident in my positioning and be confident in what I'm asking and what I've been asked to do and asking myself to do in the game. So I can therefore help others. Because I know mm. that I've prepared myself so I can, maybe someone's kind of off that day. I can branch outside of myself and help them. So to me that in those moments, I think those add up to getting myself totally prepared. And so therefore I can help others. Well, it's very um, leadership, communication and other person oriented, which is really interesting because I think when most people think about visualization, It gets very self-centered. What do I need to perform? What's it gonna feel like when I kick the ball? What's it gonna feel like as I run down the, you know? And um, it sounds like you're kind of of a step beyond that. It's like, how do I wanna arrive? How do I wanna show up? Yes, for yourself, but for others too, which is very cool, yeah. 
you, you said that in a lot less words. So I was listening, so I got to like <laughs> uh, formulate my thought. <laughs> I like what you said a lot better. <laughs> no, that's really cool. Josh, you like looking back on your career, you've had some injuries and some medical things that have happened that have left you sidelined for decent amounts of time at, at certain points. Which one to you stands out as the most mentally trying of those situations? That's an easy one. It was um, when I had blood clots in my arm and that took me out for the rest of the season. I, I had to go on blood thinners. So obviously you're not allowed to play with, with yeah. thinners. In those moments, I, I, I remember hearing the doctor say, you know, we have to do like a co coagulation test. We have to make sure the blood can clot. And if it can't, or if it's, if it's clotting too much, you're going to have to go on blood thinners for the rest of your life, which will basically end your career. Oh my and gosh. Yeah. Going from kind of a blood clot to hearing that, which a blood clot was kind of life-threatening at the time. Scary, for sure. Yeah, I had one, they were, removed it. I went back to train and I developed another one. And luckily both kind of clotted instead of going somewhere else. In my yeah. Body. So that was eye-opening. So kind of hearing that and then having him come and say, you know, after this test, if this doesn't go well, then your career is pretty much over. That was, that was such a humbling experience and eye-opening and just things got so real in that moment. And thankfully I had meditation and I had a tool to kind of use in those moments. And my parents were there, obviously they're, they're you know, unbelievable in those moments. And that's, you know, that's what parents are for. So they, they helped a lot, but I really think meditation, the ability, the ability to kind of go outside of yourself, like I've been talking about a little bit and really the ability in those moments for the puzzle to just kind of take shape, you know, and there's all these things going in your head and you're, you're nervous because, you know, this is the only thing that you've wanted to do your whole life. And now it could be taken away from you in the prime of your life. I just remember feeling kind of bad for myself and I was in a very weird position. And then I just, mm -hmm. through meditation, I kind of realized that I had already been so fortunate to be playing for that amount of time anyways. You know, I would have been able to live my dream for I think five or six years at that moment anyways. So I, I was able to just realize, look, you've been able to do what so many wish they could do for five, six years already. So if this is what happens, then you need to start finding another passion. You need to start right. realizing what else sparks your interest. It, it still hurt, but at the same time, it was such a, I'm so glad I had meditation in that moment. And, and that, that tool really helped a lot. That's some heavy stuff to process through. Yeah. Like that's intense, right? And having worked for something your whole life and then potentially seeing it be stripped away much earlier than you thought it would. Like I can't imagine and kudos to you to getting to the place where you were a little bit at peace. It sounds like with whatever might happen, because I think that, I think that would be a really, really hard place <laughs> for a lot of people to get to in a, in a kind of moment like that. So that's uh that's pretty cool. And it's pretty cool how, just how resilient it seems like meditation has made you think about the whole rest of your life right beyond soccer and whatever this is a tool that you're going to have for your whole life right that is very cool what a cool thing to be able to move forward with and take with you no matter where you go right it's pretty awesome yeah i'm thankful for it especially in moments like that because at that at that moment i never had 
anything, and I'm so thankful for this, but I've never had a, uh, you know, a death in my family that was close. You know, nobody close to me has really had passed away, hadn't had any really significant injuries to that date. So at 25, 26 years old, it was, that was the moment where I was like, oh my gosh, there's, I guess there's more to life than sport. You know, there's, yeah. <laughs> there's more to the, you know, there's, there's more that you have to be able to do. You have to adapt. And mm-hmm. yeah, meditation was the, it was the perfect tool for that. And I'm, I'm thankful for everyone that introduced that to me and, and it helped me significantly in, that, in mm-hmm. those moments. Do you think it makes you even more grateful now? Like, do you think that's something that comes up for you sometimes when you step on the field now of oh, like all the, time. all the time? Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's something I, I, I had told myself, don't take it for granted. But until something like that happens, you just don't know the level in which you are taking it for granted. You know, you, you can remind yourself of that. And, and it, but when you're 25, 26 and you're in your prime and you feel great, you're in great physical shape and health. And then something like that happens, you, you realize that you are just as human as anybody else. Like mm-hmm. Just because you, you, you know, you're fit doesn't mean that, that things can't go wrong, that anything mm-hmm. is, is possible. Your body is as resilient as your body is. It, it can you know, malfunction and falter at times. And, you know, that was definitely an experience that I, I think about all the time and, and allows me to be grateful to this day for everything that, you know, has, has come my way and I've been able to have in my life. Mm-hmm. That makes total sense. If you were going to kind of like zoom out on your 32 years of life, sorry, I just aged you. <laughs> What would you attribute your success to if you were going to name like one or two things? I think one, we, we talked about it earlier, but one is, is belief, belief in myself that I know we touched on that earlier, but I can't. I love I that. Come back to it. it. I think that's yeah, huge. Yeah, how important that is. It's mm-hmm. just, it's, it's everything. I think I honestly do. And I remember having, a, a, going back to my hometown and, and going to a high school practice and I remember one of the kids asking me, do you think I can make it? I'm, I don't remember what I said, but I remember thinking about it after. And I remember the answer should have been, what if I tell you no? My answer should not matter to you. Just because I'm playing at this level doesn't mean that I should be able to dictate where your life goes from here or what you do from here. I don't know what the future has for you. But if you work hard enough and if you prepare yourself for little moments like in which you have to perform, nobody knows that answer. So that's impossible to, it's impossible for me. And, and, and my answer doesn't matter. You know, that, that should have been my answer. It doesn't matter what other people are saying, what other people are doing, how big you are at that time. Because I, I was a little pipsqueak, in, you know, when I was 16, 17 years old. And I grew into my body. So you don't know. There's so many factors in which they're totally out there for, for you to come into. And I think maybe just natural ability and kind of having success early at a young age kind of helps that i think that definitely helps that but you also just have to be you know my parents were unbelievable in that they my parents would always support me in such positive ways you know i remember even when i didn't play well my dad my mom always had something positive to say you know i could have had a terrible game i remember my dad being like, well you look strong out there you know like that that obviously had an effect on me because i remember it and i remember thinking like and I remember when you're 13, you're like, yeah, I did, I did feel strong out there. <laughs> you know, I'm at 75 pounds, but just little reinforcements like that from my parents, uh, I think helped a lot. And those add up over time. And I think those allow you to 
have a positive mindset of yourself and believe in yourself. And so I think those moments definitely add up. And for me, everything else kind of falls. That's it. That. Yeah. It, it honestly does. I think belief in yourself is just, it's, it's crucial. And just, just find ways, you know, positive self-talk, meditate, you know, truly find who you are and be comfortable with that and just build that work on yourself every day. And I think that's, that's a key to whether you want to play sports or get in the business world or do whatever you want to do. I think that's a huge, huge factor. And if you can master that and well, I think you can't master it, but you can work on it every day and, and try to master it. I think that's the sky's the limit for anybody that, that can get on that path and, and have that mindset. I couldn't agree with you more. What we believe about ourselves comes true. Our minds are so much more powerful than we understand. If we can see it for ourselves and we believe in that identity, if you believe in the identity of I am a professional soccer player and I'm a successful one, like if you deep, deep down believe that, that's it. It will come true because you will play out whatever that story is that you're telling yourself. Right. I think I love, I love, love, love that you went there. I think from a young age, like we start to shape our beliefs. And we're very malleable when we're young. So like you're talking about your parents that were such a great influence on you believing that you could do it. I think for some people, family or peers make them believe limiting things about themselves. And then we take those things as truth. And we allow that to limit us for the rest of our lives without realizing that it's simply a story that we're telling ourselves or simply an identity that we've decided to believe about ourselves. I'm not smart enough or I'm not attractive enough or whatever it might be, right? So I think that that is so important. And the key there is that you actually do have the power to change your beliefs. You actually do have the power to decide to flip the script and live out something different, which will then have an impact on the rest of your life. That's the most powerful thing that you can do. So as you're talking about meditation, you're talking about mental preparation, like it's all here. Right. That's the thing, right? Like we've talked zero about being really fit and being the fastest person on the field, right? Like that's part of your job. Like you have to have a, a level of physical fitness. But then once you've, once you've got that, like it's all your mind. Right. And, and to touch on that, I cannot tell you in my 11 years, how many athletes I've seen be physical specimen, just fast, big, strong, but you can tell they just don't have it all worked out in their mind. They don't, they don't do the little things correctly. They don't, they don't value those that mo yeah. those, those moments. They don't value the little things. They don't value the mental side of the game. And not only in, in sports, but in it's, it's everything. There are, yeah, there's so many levels to it. And you can be, you can be in my sport, in my profession, you could be the physical specimen and, and the big, you know, six, five, fast, strong, this, this person. But if you don't have it together mentally, then I've seen those guys get pushed out. They're not consistent. They're not always in tune, you know, but when, but the guys who, you know, the littlest guy on the field, like a Sebastian Giovinco, you know, like those, those little guys, he, you know, he's the smallest guy on the field, but he's thinking at such a different level and he's able to, the game looked easy because he always had the next play. He steps ahead of people. 
that that that's always such a, a cool thing that I see. Like the mind is, it's such a powerful tool, and I feel like it it can just take you to such different levels if you just spend time on it. Yeah. <laughs> use use it as a tool. Mm-hmm. Yeah, hundred percent. If you could give yourself twenty two year old Josh a piece of advice, what would you tell yourself? Read more. Mm-hmm. Read as much as possible. And thinking back to 22 and just my chaotic, self-absorbed, overstimulated mind, just learn to be still, learn to sit and figure out what that means. Because at 22, I don't think I was even able to understand what that means. So dive into it, read about it. You know, I kind of taps on the first one, but don't put expectations on it. Just figure it out understand that this is going to help you so you have to have the ability to understand that this this will help you in a way but learn to be still and i feel like so many of what i consider problems i'm fortunate enough to understand that they're not truly huge problems but in those silent moments i feel like those problems will begin to kind of dissipate and sort themselves out and i feel like answers come in those moments so However, you can slow your chaotic mind down at 22, learn, and everything in life will kind of, will be drastically better and improved. I love those. Those are awesome. Okay, my final question for you. I know you are a big fan of space and space facts. <laughs> so can you drop some space knowledge on <laughs> us, please? Down. I wrote some down here. <laughs> <laughs> All right, the first one. If you were to heat the head of a pin to the same temperature as the center of the sun, it would kill anyone within a thousand miles of it. I mean, Casey. What? <laughs> what? I love it. I love it. Crazy. Uh, these are all coming from my uh, buddy, David. We used to do uh, Space Fact Friday all the time. He knows I love it. So black holes are dark because their gravity is stronger than the velocity of light in which it can escape. Does that make sense? You know, my brain is like spinning, but yes, that makes sense. To put that into perspective, rockets need to reach 25,000 miles per hour to escape Earth's gravity. Light is 7 million times faster than that, and yet it can't escape the gravity of a black hole. I don't know what that means. (laughs) (laughs) I can't even even guess that. I'm reading it. And I thought about it earlier once I saw it, but I still have no idea what that even means. How right. That? <laughs> That's that why the space facts are so crazy because you, you just like can't even contemplate them, right? It's just yeah. like, it's quite humbling because you're like, I don't even know. My mind is mush after that. So I, I love, love it. it. Oh, <laughs> bonus fact. Hold on. Here's one more. If you held a spoonful of black hole matter, it would weigh as much as Mount Everest. That is crazy. That is very dense. That is why yeah, that one always that one always gets me. After that, that is insane. Wow. All right. I hope I didn't disappoint there. No, those are awesome. <laughs> those are awesome. Yeah, way above my expectations. Good, good. Josh, this has been awesome. Thank you so much for your thoughts. I always love chatting with you because you go to those deeper levels and your insights really make me think. 
which I always really appreciate. So thank you very much for taking the time to come on. I'm so glad we could make this happen. Um, do you have any final thoughts to share with anyone before we sign off? No, I, I actually, I enjoyed my time very much and I'm glad, you know, we don't get to spend much time now, um, now that we live in different cities, but I'm always happy to talk with you. It's always good to see you. And um, I know we won't be able to see each other this weekend, obviously the game's in, in Connecticut, but anytime I get to see you or Eric, it's, it's, it's a pleasure. So thank you. And I've listened to your podcast and I'm happy for you. It seems like you enjoy these a lot and it's good to see you doing what you love. Thanks, Josh. I appreciate it. I would say good luck on Sunday, but I can't because you're playing TSC. So, you know, we'll see what happens. <laughs> Thanks so much for listening to How Do You Feel? If you're enjoying what you're hearing, please subscribe to the podcast so you never miss an episode. Rate and review the podcast. Those ratings and reviews really do go a long way. I appreciate them all so much. Better yet, share the podcast with a friend or family member that you think would benefit from the messages that we talk about on How Do You Feel? All right, guys, thanks so much for listening. I hope everyone has a great week. And as always, remember, get out there and do something that makes you feel good today.